Hey guys, it's Rick. Just a quick note on what's going on here. I did a quick interview with Chuck Walter, or what I planned to be a quick interview with Chuck Walter, and it ended up going about 40 minutes. So I decided, you know what, might as well just post this as soon as the Delaware game is over, get everyone started on the Crosstown Shootout mindset with a preview of UC's team and what the Bearcats are doing. This is a very Bearcat-centric podcast here just just to warn you um it's going to be pro uc heavy uc from a, a uc perspective and i just wanted to give you guys an idea of what type of team they have this year it went longer than expected so i'm publishing it by itself but to be clear we will still have a normal musketeer report podcast coming with paul fritchner later this week all right so joining me now is chuck walter from chatterbox bearcats if you haven't heard the podcast it's it's new this season i believe this is the first time you guys have done it but you're covering the bearcats after each and every game probably doing some other stuff in between uh i've enjoyed it it's been a good listen chuck this podcast you're doing it's you've picked a good year for it yeah i think so i mean well, we started it during football season, so uh, okay. we didn't pick a we didn't pick a good time for it there. Although when it bleeds, it bleeds, right? With how bad the season was, it is fun going out there and talking about a team that's absolutely abysmal as compared to a team that's you know just five and seven or whatever. Because then you have people coming in with the pitchforks, and you all have common ground. But yeah, basketball's been off to a great start. I think uh, Wes Miller's doing a really good job with this UC team and um, let's see if he could finally get it done. Last time the cats were seven and oh, it was uh 17, 18. They went into CentOS. They got blasted. So um, let's rewrite history. Let's finally get one at the toss. You know, the joke on the Musketeer Report message board and I think social media across these two fan bases is the Enquirer every year, right? Some column to the effect of the shootout has lost its luster, right? Oh, yeah. um, are you with me that this year is uh, the luster is back a little bit? Are you feeling some of the energy of past shootout days? The luster's always back. If you're, I mean, maybe to the the national audience, no. Like, I, we were talking about this off the screen. I lived in uh, California for three, four years, and no one out there cares about college hoops. You know, it's a completely different story than over here. But when you're talking diehard UC, diehard Muskie fans, it doesn't matter if Xavier wins seven in a row and they're, you know, 14 and a half point favorites. Like, this is this is still the Super Bowl for both these teams. I know some Xavier fans may say Villanova is a bigger deal. I know some Cats fans may say, uh, Houston's a bigger deal or back way when Louisville's a bigger deal. No, this is the biggest game on the schedule. It always will be. Yeah. I, I hate when the fan bases do that. I hate that the fan bases get mad at each other for acting like it's a big deal that they play this game and they talk about their rival. It's like you look at any other rivalry throughout sports that's this big and they're obsessed with each other. They talk about each other all the time. They like hating each other. It's part of the deal. And for whatever reason, UC fans and Xavier fans both want, uh, there's a certain segment of the fan bases that want to act like you shouldn't care about this rivalry. I've never understood that. And I totally agree with you that the, the what makes this rivalry so great is the fact that we don't care what the rest of the world thinks about it for you know three hours that day on whatever Saturday in December it is. These two fan bases are going to be absolutely locked in and losing their minds about this game, regardless of what their records are or any of the surrounding storylines. I would imagine it's different for every era and how they grew up, you know, but me growing up as a 90s kid born in 92, shout out to all the 92ers out there. Um, I mean, you grow up in the first six, seven years of your life, five, six years of your life, you know, as you're kind of being acquainted to sports like Cincinnati's the much better team. I used to think Xavier was like a triple A team. You know, they weren't even in the same league as UC 
was like, oh, dad, like, why do they have the Xavier game on at Buffalo Wild Wings? Like, nobody cares about Xavier. And then over a certain point, you know, Xavier takes down number one Cincinnati over and over. Then when you still feel like UC is the better program in the better conference for, you know, the early part of the 2000s with Bob Huggins, they're still losing games, but they're close games. You know, they went into CentOS and there was one year Nick Williams threw it away. There was the Lance Stevenson year where you thought they could have got it done in double overtime. There was Jihad Muhammad hitting the three. Um, there were like four or five games wedged in there back to back to back where it was like, all right, Cincinnati can't win this game, but they're still the better program. Then at a certain point, like 10 years ago, Xavier just started winning games by like 10, 20 points over Cincinnati consistently. They've actually, this is a great stat. Cincinnati hasn't won two straight since 96. X has had a multi-game winning streak six times including now four in a row. So at some point, Cincinnati's got to start winning some of these games. And that's what's so frustrating about it and why we can't stand Xavier so much because there was a point in life where it was like, yo, we're the clear-cut favorite in this rivalry. We're the big time. They're the team from the Atlantic 10. And then somewhere along the way, it just flipped to the point where, as of right now, all-time history, sure, it's Cincinnati. But, you know, our lifetime, there's no question. Like, it's, it's Xavier with what they've done the last decade. Well, we'll let the two fan bases argue about which is the better team with the most prestige and history and all of that stuff and who's on top right now. But oh, prestige, if we're talking all time, yeah, you know the answer to that. I mean, it's <laughs> it's Cincinnati. We're even well, talking last 50 years, Cincinnati, whatever it may be. But last last 30, no question. Yeah, like I said, I have no desire to get in these debates. They've already hashed them out much better than I can. What I am interested in is your thoughts on this year's team and this year's game because I think it, it, we could be in for a good one. First of all, if you've been following UC at all, or even if you haven't, but you're in this area, the one thing you have definitely heard about by this point is Assis Bandago. It was the focus of Wes Miller, and really with the, the lighter non-conference schedule, it was really all we heard about in the local media when it came to this UC basketball team is, are they going to get Assis eligible? And then once he became eligible, it's now kind of, okay, what can he do? How are they going to implement him? And how are they going to use him? You've now seen him for a few games, and I don't think it's fair to say exactly what he is and what his future is going to look like on this team after just a few games. But what has he brought to this team, in your opinion? Uh, he changes the game completely. Just standing there, just statue in the middle of the lane, completely changes how teams play Cincinnati. They The first couple games of the year before he was eligible, they were averaging maybe a block per game. Maybe, if, if that. you know, Maybe a half block per game through the first three. Aziz comes in, and within 15 seconds he squatted one into the fourth row of fifth third arena. Like that's what he brings you defensively offensively can finish the lob can really run the floor for a legit seven footer only had one rebound in his last game. And this is someone that averaged 11 last year. He was an 11 and 11 kind of guy, um, double, double machine. So the fact that he hasn't gotten off to that start yet makes you wonder like what's going on. Why is he not grabbing rebounds? But, um, by committee, man, Dan skillings, has really picked it up, rebounding the ball. He's He grabbed 12 the other day against uh, Florida Gulf Coast. Victor Locken grabbed nine in that game. They have some pretty physical guards. Like, Jizzle James isn't big by any means, but he's got that that Hall of Fame running back DNA. It's Edron James' son. His real name, Edron James Jr., goes by Jizzle James. He's a really good freshman, one of the best freshman guards I've seen at Cincinnati in a long time. Um, Locken's played outstanding, as I mentioned. Uh, when you have a starting lineup that features a 6-11-4 and Victor Locken, and he's shooting like 50-something percent from the three-point line. He went 5-6 one game. 
So this is a different Victor Lockin than Xavier fans remember now that he's playing the four. Uh, Aziz, you're starting five, seven-footer. Skilling, six, seven. He's in there, you're three or six, six. Or John Newman, who's six, six. Like, there is size on this team. And then you add in shooting. Seamus Lukosius, he can shoot. CJ Frederick can shoot it. Um, so they have some guys that can knock down threes as well, pretty sure-handed. And then depth. The Bearcats have that, too. Uh, Lukosius is coming off the bench. He was Butler's second-leading scorer last year. Um, who else is coming off? The, you got Odio Guama, who was a starter last year. He's coming off the bench. Dan Skillings, who put up a career-high 25 a couple games ago and has shown flashes of being their best player. He's coming off the bench. They have a legit you know, five-man switcheroo, if you want to say it, to where you're not – if they got Jameel Reynolds back, who is ineligible, the Temple transfer, if he comes back before this game, which at this point I would imagine is not happening. But if somehow Dave Yost can free our other Bearcat, who's six foot nine, then you have like a platoon situation where you have so many bodies, I don't know what you do with them. Uh, they haven't really beaten anyone, but they've kicked everyone's tail. Uh, they beat Georgia Tech by 30-something points. Um, Howard's the only game that's been close, and that game was on the road. So as of right now, you want to see them do it against a good team? But based on the eye test, I think we're looking at a really good Cincinnati team. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get into all of those guys for sure. But back to Aziz real quick. Oh, you, sorry. You asked me about Aziz, and I literally just went through the entire <laughs> Yeah, you know, We're, we're going to talk about all of them. Trust me. We're going to get into all those guys. Um, obviously, defensively, I think that th this team is strong. At least when I look at them, I can see that you know, the offensive and number defensive numbers are both impressive right now when you look at the efficiency metrics on Ken Palm. But when I look at how they're built and I'm trying to project this into the Big 12 and, and what they're going to look like the rest of the year, I to me, the defense is legit. The athleticism of the defense is clearly legit. And I think Aziz being added to that has solidified it without question. I guess for, for you, I want to know on the offensive side, how much of a difference has Aziz made there, do you think? Um, when it comes to, let's just go back 48 hours ago or whatever it may be when they were playing Florida Gulf coast, um, getting the days mixed up here, but anyways, play on the, on the, the tip off opening play. Yeah. Four <laughs> seconds in uh day day. Thomas gets it five feet behind the line, looks up the floor, fires it up there to Aziz who flushes it. Um, well, the best, he, the best part about it was it was a cold set play. They ran up and screened Aziz's man as the tip off was going. I mean, oh, they, yeah. this was a, like a beautiful set thing. I've seen a few other teams run that this year Houston. and, uh, and he's Houston like the perfect player to use for that situation. Yeah. Houston did that against Cincinnati a couple times when UC was playing in Houston and, and lost by about 30 points. That's how the game would start. So Wes Miller drew that up from Kelvin Sampson, I would imagine, Worked to perfection. Uh, the first play that Aziz was in there against Georgia Tech um, after the block shot was a lob that he threw down. So I, I really like Seamus Lukosius, who's kind of a surgeon, um, takes his time, but can get into the middle, and, and that's where it really opens up Aziz. Or if you know he can consistently hit the floater, which he hasn't yet, if he consistently hit that eight-foot floater, it's like pick your poison. Do you want to go after Aziz, or do you want to come up and get a hand in Lukosius's face? And um, that can be lethal right there. As far as his post moves and turnaround, I mean, we haven't seen a ton of it. Hit a few of them. Hasn't showed any sort of outside game, although he did hit some threes with Utah Valley. So I think he has that in his arsenal. He just is not being asked to do that right now. But um, I'm just really impressed with the way he, he runs the floor. I mean, he is 
he's seven foot and fast. You know, that's not David Narsuk running down the floor. Like he is, uh, he's a nimble seven foot guy. No, and he looks like he could run all day too. I mean, there's no like conditioning concerns or anything like that with a guy like him. He's very light on his feet. I mentioned, you know, offensive efficiency, 32nd in the country right now. Defense, 30th. You heard what I said. I, I see, in my opinion, an identity forming with this team, which is the athleticism and length that they have on the defensive end. Do you agree with me that that's going to become their identity? Or do you feel like they're more balanced than that? And maybe it will be more of like an offensive run and gun team like they're showing scoring 100 points right now in some of these non-conference games yeah it's it's hard to say based on the competition one thing that i that i know is even when you watched uc teams in the past and they they overpowered teams with their skill the offense was never really a thing of beauty it was always a lot of passing around the arc um offensive rebounds shooting a lot of threes whatever it may be they have really good spacing right now and a lot of different guys that can beat you in different ways. When I was mentioning the entire roster earlier, pretty much um, during my question that you asked me about Aziz Bandego, um, like they have shooters, they have guys that can get into the lane like day day Thomas. That's what he does. And, and Lukosius, I think can get in there and uh, you know, Frederick, the sharpshooter. So I don't really, I think they can have the identity that just kind of molds to the competition that they're playing. You know, the one thing that does scare me is that Houston's still going to be too physical for this team. Um, but Houston's you know, too physical for everybody. So that's I mean, what I'm saying. Like <laughs> Houston and some of those big teams are going to be a little too physical. And maybe, you know, I'm a little too hyped with Victor Locke and, and Bandago right now. And Bandago, you know, skinny guy, maybe he can't stack up with some of those teams that have a bruiser down low. That's the one thing that UC's missing and what, what um Jamil Reynolds would give you if he was eligible, but I wouldn't expect him to play in the Xavier game. Um, but aside from that, I feel like they can do a little bit of everything depending on how they rotate these lineups. They can go small. They can play a four guard offense with skillings at the four. Um, so I don't know if they're going to be that big physical team. That's the one thing that I don't think they would be, but I do think they're going to be balanced offensively and defensively and have shown abilities to be a really good on the ball defensive team with their quick point guards um although young we'll see if they can do it in conference play and then just big guards in general like john newman is he's long he's pretty strong and he's really good on the ball um really their only weakness is that shooting guard position um if you're talking lacocious and cj frederick neither of those guys seem like someone that's going to consistently stay in front of their defenders but that is where the first question, when you asked about Aziz Bandego, that's where he comes into the mix. Because you get past him, and literally one of the best shot blockers in the entire country, I don't think that's a stretch to say, is waiting in the middle. You were talking about the team's lack of uh, a big bruiser inside. And earlier you were also talking about, though, they've rebounded the ball really well. When you look at offensive rebounding percentages, they're 22nd in the country. Defensive rebounding percentage, they're third in the country. Is that a surprise to you or, or looking at this team prior to coming into the year? Was that, would that have been a surprise to you that they're I mean, running it so well? Yeah, but I'm just looking Illinois, Chicago, Detroit, Mercy, Eastern Washington, Northern Kentucky, Howard, Florida, Gulf coast, Georgia tech. Like they should be out rebounding these teams. They're bigger, sure. you know? So yeah. we'll, we'll see when they play a legitimate um, big time team like Xavier, although they look fine against Georgia tech. I will say this though. Forget size. I mean, you could throw that out. There have been multiple games this year where UC's shot it above 50% and hit, you know, I think against Georgia Tech, it may have been 15 of 29 from deep. 
And in their last game against um, Florida Gulf Coast, 11 and 19, that's that's a team that's not going to lose many games if you're good defensively. You know, if you can shoot like that. What scares me in this game is Centos Center. UC always starts off cold. It's it's Xavier 10-2 at the first media timeout, and it's 20 points at some point in the first half. So UC's got to get off to a fast start, but I do think they have some balance to where even if the shots aren't going in, you pull Frederick, you get him out of there, um, you bring in, you know, Lacocious, uh, you, you bring in Dan Skillings instead of Newman, and you really try to attack the basket and, and get it done in a different way. And, and Lockin's been a, a constant this year. He's been one thing that, uh, aside from his first game of the year, that that hasn't changed. He's been stellar. Um, hopefully, would, it, would it you stays say that way. Would you say he's been their best player to this point, or would you no have doubt. another answer? Yeah, no doubt. I, I think Skillings would probably be number two. Um, and then I'd say Aziz may be the most important just because of how he changed the team. I mean, game one against Illinois, Chicago, maybe not against Detroit Mercy, just because it was a 30 point uh, whooping and Detroit Mercy really, really stinks. But against Illinois, Chicago, like they were getting to the rim with ease. Odie at the four and Vic at the five was just like, oh, this is going to be gross in the Big 12. And just that one player coming in defensively and sliding 6'11 Vic Lock into the four. And now he has this shooting ability to where he's hit, you know, a three-pointer in, in almost every game this year. And he's he's had a, a five three-point um, effort. Like, it, it just it changed the team completely to the point where that's rim protection is one of the things that they do really well. Like, I, I don't see teams taking it down low. Now, I, I did see Florida Gulf Coast big guy back up um, Aziz Bandego a couple times and shoot over him. So if Xavier has any of those big bruisers down low, Maybe that's where they get a big time advantage. But other than that, I mean, it's bad competition. You know, I mean, they're not playing anyone, but the eye test, it's, I, I've watched a lot of basketball the last few years, and um, it's, it's clearly the best team they've had in at least five years. One of the other question marks I would have had, like rebounding would have been a question coming into the year. I'm impressed by how well they've done with that. Um, Point guard would have been another question for me, not because I didn't necessarily like the guys that they brought in, but typically when your only answers for point guard are a junior college player who's making the jump up and hasn't played at all yet, and he's going to be playing the Big 12 for the first time, and a freshman, it's there are question marks, and there's legit concerns to be had. You look at the way Cincinnati has played so far, and granted, the, the, you got to take it with a grain of salt because of the competition, but their turnover percentage ranks 10th in the country on offense. They're scoring a lot of points. It seems like they're getting into their offense well. The ball's moving around well. How would you assess the point guard play between Day-Day Thomas and Jizzle James to this point? I thought that when those two were brought in and Micah Adams-Woods decided to transfer to St. Bonaventure, it was really telling to me that you know something was going on behind the scenes, whether Wes was keeping it honest and, and told Micah, you're going to have a serious competition, whatever it may be. I thought that was good news because the fact that he had faith to let Micah walk because I, I think it was, you know, somewhat of a mutual decision there. And Micah wouldn't have went to St. Bonaventure after being a starting point guard for three years at Cincinnati entering the big 12. Like that's why would you do that? Unless the two guys coming in um, West thought could outplay them. And they, they have, I mean, this is, this is a nice little one, a one B two headed. I wouldn't call a monster, but two headed attack that Cincinnati has right now. A lot of speed from both of them. Um, pretty physical and athletic. I'd say Jizzle more physical. Um, 
Day Day's probably a little more explosive, it seems like, with the way that he can get up and throw down. But a really quick, both good on-the-ball defenders. Day Day's made some head-scratching plays, which you would think would be more from the freshman. Um, but Jizzle's been great. I think that at some point this season, and to answer your question, you said what would you, you know, what would be the word that describes these point guards? I would say solid, solid, and um, solid and, and trending upwards because Day Day to start this season was the guy. He's your starting point guard coming in from a JUCO. Um, looked really good the first couple games of the season, and then the last few. It's not that he's looked bad; it's that Jizzle's carved out, you know three, four extra minutes every game uh, from like 10 minutes to 18 minutes in his last game because he's just been really solid. And I think he's going to take the job at some point. Good mid-range. Um, does not look like a freshman out there. Like he'll check in and immediately just take it right to the basket. My my old CYO coach at Cardinal Pacelli, Bill Barrett, would have been furious. He was five passes. Five passes before you shoot, fellas. Jizzle will just go in there. He'll take it up the floor. You know, it's like that point guard in fourth grade where you just, you know, take it right to the rack, no passes, four seconds into a possession. That's a freshman doing that. So he's fearless, not afraid to take some step-back jumpers. His three leaves a lot to be desired, but I think he is the better player than Day-Day Thomas at this current moment, and I think he'll continue to get better throughout his freshman year, and he's going to be their starting point guard at some point. I don't know if that's the hottest take in the world, but um, I think it's the right take personally because yeah. uh, he, well, I mean, I, I think it's interesting too because I don't think Day Day Thomas has been bad at all. I've, no, he's I've been, been really good. I think him. Yeah, I so think Jizzle's just gonna yeah, I think he's gonna take the job. Like he is super physical. Um, sometimes you're worried that freshmen just don't have the the body and the strength. Like that's his that's his strong suit. Like he's got that. Edron James DNA where's the uh the wrist biceps yeah, I, I do lo I do love the really thin wristbands on the biceps like we're back in the early 2000s yeah. wide receiver I mean he, he has the football look to him going on it's great yeah and he's uh yeah. he's a, he's a little out of control at times and like I said his three um hasn't been special by any means but he can get to the basket he grabbed I think six rebounds and dished out like four assists in his last game so he's got some good balance um, this isn't a team that's turned it over a ton. Um, there have been some years in the past five. Yeah. That it, they've turned it over 17, 18 times a game. It felt like, um, I have not really noticed aside from skillings here and there and, um, a, a few bad plays from those two point guards, just being out of control. I really haven't noticed any turnovers like Newman's solid with it. Uh, Victor Locken's been great. Um, he's been an excellent passer to start this year. And then, um, all the other guys too. I mean, Frederick's yeah. not really turning it over. And that's, the, I think that's where like, you've really seen CJ Frederick and CMOS Lukosius show up is with their experience yeah. and their skill and their IQ. The, the guys aside from the two point guards really are committing almost no turnovers within yeah. the flow of the offense. And that's, that's certainly helped the team keep that overall number down. So we've talked about a lot of good things here with this UC team and rightfully so with the way they've played to this point, if you, if you're nitpicking, if you've mentioned, you know, maybe they lack a, an interior big who's real physical, that could be a concern. Are there any other weaknesses right now, though, that you see with this team? I don't know if they have enough shooters. I think it, it's a little bit of a misleading stat right now. I think they've gotten hot in a few of these games. Um, Frederick, when he knocks down four or five, is dangerous. I do think CMOS is better than his percentage says right now. I want to say it's under like 33%. I, Xavier I fans would agree with that. 
Yeah, I think he's a better <laughs> shooter than that. Um, so those two consistently can knock it down. But I think John Newman shot it better than he's going to shoot um, this year. He, he's hovering around 40%. Um, I don't think he's a 40% three-point shooter. Uh, Dan Skillings isn't a great shooter by any means. Josh Reed's not a great shooter. Victor Locken, yes, he's been knocking him down. But history shows that he's not going to shoot at 65% all year. So well, it's also expect- like... It's also like if you're in the heat of a Big 12 game, do you want your offense that you're relying on to be Victor Locken shooting threes? Yeah, Victor Locken. Day-Day Thomas hasn't looked great shooting the ball. Jizzle James hasn't looked excellent. So, yeah, they're they're 15 of 29 against Georgia Tech or uh, 11 of 19 in their last game. But you saw it against Howard. They went 3 of 18. They weren't knocking down shots. Howard was knocking down shots. And Cincinnati, who could get whatever they wanted inside, um, almost lost that game because – you know, when, when shots aren't falling, I think that uh, they're a very beatable team. So the question becomes, like, how good of a shooting team are they if they only have two consistent shooters that I think can really knock them down at above a 35% clip? But um, as of right now, there are some numbers that I feel like are a little bit skewed that could go down to earth. Or Victor Locken could shoot at 40% from deep. You know, that could be a skill that he just has. And that's that's the main part of his game moving forward is he just steps out and knocks down threes. Like Gary Clark kind of figured that out in his career at some point and became a pretty respectable three-point shooter and it changed his game. Yeah. Well, I told you we weren't I was going to ask you too much about Xavier's players on this podcast, but I want to run through just real quick some of these matchups. And I don't know how much you've seen Xavier, but maybe you can give me whatever thoughts you have and I'll kind of share mine as well. Um at the point guard position, you got Day Day Thomas versus Davion McKnight. I think this is a pretty close matchup. I don't see like a huge edge either way. If I'm leaning, I'm probably leaning towards Day-Day Thomas, uh, but I, I don't think that's like a standout matchup to me where I'm looking for a huge edge on either side. I don't know if you have any any thoughts on the point guard matchup there. Um, I, I don't know a ton about McKnight. I remember he actually, I covered him in high school when he uh, played in Kentucky, saw him in the state tournament, but um, no, he went to Western Kentucky. I would say, yeah, you're, you're probably right in the fact that it's, we'll see. Yeah, and I feel similar about the shooting guard situation if it's if we're talking CJ Frederick because he is starting right now. Now, obviously, a lot of times that first uh, substitution comes in and it's Dan Skillings at the shooting guard position, who I would make the argument might be their best player even over Victor Locken right now. And then you bring in CMOS Lukosius at the forward spot uh, for one of the two big men, depending on how they're doing that. So there is an early substitution here. But if we're going CJ Frederick versus Quincy Oliveri, I feel pretty similarly there. Obviously, CJ Frederick's coming off the huge shooting performance against Florida Gulf Coast, but prior to that, he really hadn't been shooting all that well, hadn't given them a ton offensively. Quincy Oliveri's been playing pretty well for Xavier, um, but again, I'm not sure if he's the guy that's going to be the difference over CJ Frederick in a, in a crosstown shootout matchup. So that's another one where I'm not too excited either way. I may lean more to, towards Quincy Oliveri. Frederick has been boomer bust, feast or famine, whatever you want to call it. When he feasts, he he hits four or five and does it at like an 80% clip. You know, he goes four or five or he goes five or six. Um, when he misses his first or his first two and he gets pulled, sometimes they just ride the hot hand and you don't see him until late in the game. You know, 15 minutes will pass and you don't really see CJ Frederick in there because he's not creating a ton of his own shots. You know, he's knocking down threes. And when you catch him in rhythm, or you have a team that's playing you a little bit differently defensively and he he could somehow leak open, or it's more of a transition game where he can get open that way. You you stick him in there and you ride his hot hand. But if Xavier plays him a certain way, 
Um, there are certain games where he's just not going to be a big part of the offense because he's he's not creating. And if you're not giving him space at some point, it's like, all right, we got to we got too many guys on our bench to leave someone out there that, you know, has only taken one shot and is not a, a top tier defender. Right. At the small forward spot, John Newman versus Desmond Claude. And this is the first matchup where I really see an important situation going on because Desmond Claude to me is clearly a bigger talent. A, a, a huge potentially a huge uh, advantage for Xavier here but John Newman has been playing really well and defensively he can be a stopper and if he locks Desmond Claude up then all of a sudden Xavier's in a world of hurt I think on the offensive side because they really need Desmond Claude to give them an advantage in this matchup so this is one I'm really looking at as I think it should be advantage Xavier but I would be really worried about how this one goes if I'm a Xavier fan John Newman's just smooth. You mentioned how good he is defensively. He reminds me, and he's a lefty. He reminds me of another lefty that played for UC. You'll recognize this name. He's like Rashad Bishop. Just if, if X fans remember Rashad Bishop, that's kind of how he plays. He's smooth. not quite as big and tough. No, but more not, athletic. Not, not as big, but more athletic. And I would I would argue that he's he's pretty tough. I mean, for his size. It's six five. Well, like he's. Let, let he's, me be clear. I'm only saying not as tough because I would put Rashad Bishop on the very short list of humans that you never want to run into in a in a dark alley. Like R Rashad Bishop yes. is elite toughness out of any college basketball player I've ever seen. So yeah, and he was and he was excellent defensively doing it against you know Big East guys days in, day in day out. One of the best defenders in the league. We'll, we'll yeah. see if no. And, and he was guarding like the, power forwards, not not yeah. just perimeter players too. Yeah, he was, doing he was guarding like Jeff Adrian from UConn. And, yeah. uh, and then the next night it'd be a shooting guard or a point or something. Dewan like Blair from, yeah. yeah, he's guarding Dewan Blair from Pittsburgh. So yeah, J John Newman, not that in that sense, but the guy that can, you know, he can knock down some threes, doesn't really turn the ball over. Um, I'd say he could throw down a lot better than Bishop. There'll be some plays and there have been this year where Newman takes it down the lane and you're just expecting maybe a little floater or he's going to fade from the bucket and he'll just go right into a defender and, and tomahawk it. Uh, which I did not know he could really do before this year. Uh, we saw it once in like a Wichita State game a few years ago. But yeah, he's got some ups, um, can throw down. And when he's knocking down a few threes, he's someone that can give you 10 and five. Um, not much more than that. I wouldn't expect, you know, John Newman to go for 20 anytime this year. But that's not who the Cats need him to be. Right. And on the on the flip side of that, Desmond Claude, that is who Xavier needs him. Xavier needs him yeah. to be the go-to player for them. All right, now we get into the side for UC. Victor Locken versus Gitas Namaksha. Uh, you've talked about how well Victor's been playing. A lot of UC fans, I think, would argue that he is their best player right now, and that's certainly a reasonable argument. Um, Gitas has been good at times for Xavier, certainly, but you also have to look at that Houston matchup where he got absolutely dominated by a Horizon League forward and gave up, you know, about half of those 28 points that Trey Townsend scored and really had no answer physically inside defensively for him. If I'm a Xavier fan, I look at that and I am very concerned now heading into this matchup against Victor Locken based off of that Oakland matchup. Now, maybe it was a fluke and granted he's been better defensively in some other games, certainly, but that, that was enough to scare me about what Xavier can do defensively in the front court against Victor Locken. Yeah, Lockin's really skilled. I uh, mentioned his newfound ability to hit the three. Um, back to the basket or facing, he can, you know, he has some post moves, some finesse, and he's shown the ability to have really good vision and and um, 
has been an assist guy to, to start out this year and has no doubt been their best player physically. I don't think he's going to dominate many teams, you know, physically it's more with his quickness and size, the combination of that and a little bit of finesse around the rim as well. So if you're afraid that he's going to, you know, back you down and out tough you, I don't think that's the type of player Victor has been. And I think you'll see that once the competition starts picking up a little bit, I think he has, um, feasted a little bit on teams that are much smaller and their fours are six, seven, six, eight, instead of, you know, six foot 10, whatever it may be. Um, honestly, I have no idea who you're talking about with the, yeah, he's honestly, a Lithuanian transfer. Yes. This entire Xavier team, man, like, like boom's gone. Kunkel's gone. Nunji's gone. I don't see Fremantle out there. Like I don't recognize any of these guys like Claude. I mean, I, I heard the name last year, but I don't really remember him being a big part of the team. It's like, I don't recognize any of these guys. So who knows? Uh, yeah. what to expect from my perspective. Yeah, it's it's tough if you have not um, watched basically every Xavier game so far this year to start to get a feel for some of these foreigners and the freshmen that are playing a lot. It is a brand new Xavier team. Desmond Claude, the only returner from last year's roster that's playing minutes. And like you said, he was a freshman who was coming off the bench last year and, and not playing a ton. So it's a brand new team. The last matchup we have inside, again, another guy you're going to know nothing about from the Xavier side, Sasha Shani, a uh, international big man who's a freshman going up against Aziz Bandego, and we've already talked a lot about him, what he means to this UC team, how much he has changed them. That's another situation where I think it's a big advantage for UC. Uh, Xavier, I think, really has to hope that this doesn't become... I mean, defensively, I think you know what Aziz is going to be no matter what. I think the other end, you have to hope it doesn't become like Aziz scores 15 points on that end of the court as well, and Sasha gets you nothing. Because if you get destroyed at both the four and the five position, it's going to be a real problem for X. Do we have four different nations being represented in the paint in this game? Uh, yes. I, I mean, so so no Americans down low. It's just it's a battle of all the foreign guys. Well, um, and, and that's not even including CMOS. Yeah, true. <laughs> so you um, another one in there. I. W what was the question again? I was just There's thinking about the fact like that. Really, that's, no question. That's crazy to me. Yeah, just 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 mentioning the the front court is where I guess overall from your perspective, and again, I, I know you really probably don't have much of an idea about all these Xavier guys, but I think UC's advantage in this game clearly lies in the front court. The two front court guys, that's what I'm looking at. And on the flip side, if if you're Xavier and you're hoping to gain advantage, you're hoping Desmond Claude's able to go against John Newman and have a big night. Because the one thing about UC that I think we've seen is defensively they don't seem to want to help a lot. It's like they kind of want to play one-on-one. -on -one. You make a tough shot over us one-on-one, -on -one, but we're going to stay on our shooters. We're not going to give you wide-open threes because we helped off a guy too much. We're not going to give you um, easy kickouts because we doubled down in the post. We think our guys can defend one-on-one. -on -one. So maybe that's what you're looking at as Xavier is just Desmond Claude on J John Newman hoping he has a big game against UC's top defender. Yeah, down low. Um it doesn't seem like they've run a lot of offense through the bigs. It's not, you know, let's get the offense started with a Aziz touch. I feel like it's more um, getting guys open around the perimeter, um, getting into the lane. And that's where they have that option with, with Aziz either going up top or um, a lot of mid range. Actually team, I feel like hasn't had many mid range jumpers at all. Cause they're getting to the bucket. Um, but it's been, it's been a, a, a nice mix so far to where I just because what I said earlier with the with the size difference so far, like I don't know what to expect down low. I'm not thinking that this is going to be a team that gives it to Aziz 12 times a game and asks him to make some moves on the post. I know he can do that. I saw him do it at Utah Valley. I've seen highlights of him having some post moves. 
I just think the guards are the best players on this team. Um, and Locken, I'm counting him as a guard here because he's playing outside of the perimeter a lot too this year. Um, when he does do a lot of his work down low, it's, you know, facing the basket, um, not as much back to the basket like he's been doing in years past. Oguama gives you that back to the basket only look with Aziz, but Oguama hasn't been playing that much. So it comes down to me. You may think it's the bigs. I think it, it comes down to, to shooting. If Cincinnati only hits three or four threes in this game and they take a lot of them, Xavier's going to have plenty of chances to win, regardless of what the bigs do down low. Um, I just do think that the stats are a little bit skewed because of how small of teams uh, Cincy has played so far. I would agree with that. Um, the other part I would say about the shooting is I don't think either of these teams are great shooting teams. Xavier certainly isn't. UC's numbers like you said, I think look a little bit better than they probably are against quality competition. Uh, so in my opinion, I'm, I'm expecting like three to four threes from each of these teams. And it's going to be an ugly shooting night on, on both sides. And it's going to come down to other things. And that's where I go. I think if you're a Xavier fan and they heard what you just said, which is it's going to come down to the guard play and perimeter play. I think Xavier fans feel a lot more optimistic if that's the case, quite honestly, because I think where, where you're worried right now is as a Xavier fan is how does your young or inexperienced front court hold up against quality big men? And this is one of the, the first set of quality big men you're really going to face. Well, I'll say this. Um, I have no idea what to expect. I mean, Lockin could come out there and, and score 20 points. And I think Aziz could go out there and score you know, 16 points in this game. Like, I do think they have capabilities of um, of being really good big men. I just have to see it against the better competition. Like, Aziz was playing Portland State last year, you know, whoever is in their conference, and Lockin was getting bullied by a lot of the teams in the American. Like, could they have, could, you know, Lockin have flipped a switch in this offseason and this is just who he is? He's an 18 and 8 kind of guy every single game. Maybe. But I just have to see it against someone that wasn't Georgia Tech in a game where since he went on a 32 to five run to bust it open and it was never a game, um, you know, 10 minutes into it or whatever. Like, I think there's somewhere in between a 35 point win or 40 point win, whatever it was over Georgia Tech in that overtime game against Howard. But they've been consistent. And I would not be shocked if since he went out there and it was like, damn, Lockin and Bandago is quite the one-two punch down low. I just want to see it first in a uh, in a big time game. And you know, when one of those two goes out and Oguama comes in, like I don't think Oguama is gonna be dominating the Xavier Bigs by any means. So foul trouble hasn't come into play yet this year, but Lockin was in foul trouble all the time last year. So um, we'll see if that becomes an issue in this one. Um, because you know that, especially on the road, like that completely changes a game when you pick up that second foul with 1630 in the first half. And it's like, all right, it's, it's Josh Reed time and it's Odio Guama time at the four. Yeah. And that is Xavier's offense. I mean, Xavier's offense is designed to essentially accumulate fouls and that effect plays out over the course of the game. It's like first half, it may look ugly, but all of a sudden, like you said, a guy's on the bench earlier than he should be because he has two fouls and he's not playing as many minutes. And then he's a little bit more timid when he gets back in there and it starts to open things up and you're in the bonus earlier. So that's definitely going to be a big part of what Xavier's trying to do in this game. There's and no that's doubt. what's that's, that's what's nice about this Sensi team is if they did go that route, I, and it's nothing against Odie. I think he's a, he's a good player and he's going to find his minutes. Um, no doubt about it. It, 
at many points this year, but I would not mind seeing a smaller lineup where you put Aziz in there at the five if Lockin were to get in foul trouble and have Newman and Skillings in there at the same time at the three yeah. and the four and see if Skillings can... at the four. I mean, he played yeah, the four or, Butler so often. They've yeah, done that or, a few times already. Or Lukosius, yeah, and just spread the floor and go a little smaller and, and dribble drive and see if you can't get Aziz for some oops or, you know, finishing some easy ones with your athleticism, getting out in transition. Uh, Jizzle and Day Day have been able to push it. They play lightning quick. So that's the nice thing about this UC team is they 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 can play different ways. Like last year, it was as simple as, hey, if David DeJulius isn't hitting shots, if Landers Nolly's not hitting shots, and if Victor Lockins in foul trouble, like what are you going to do? You're going to pass the ball around the perimeter and w- run one of the worst offenses you've ever seen until Davenport, you know, throws up a 32 footer Adams Woods gets into the lane and can't get it off or whatever it may be. So there's just more talent this year. Um, I think Xavier fans are going to see that. Look, I've, I've said that seven of the last 10 games, I'm like, this is the year since he's getting it done. It's Cintas center, you know, and many times they've been close. And I thought afterwards that they, you know, if they tipped it up again, that they could have got it done, but this is the year where it's like, and I think every UC fan feels it. And I got I got the wood all around me that I'll knock on as I broke something in the background there. But this is the year they got to get it done, man. Like you, They're clearly, based off the eye test, uh, the little bits that I've watched of Xavier, they're, they're clearly, if not the better team, the favorite heading into this game. I think you'll see that with the spread. If spread makers were, if the bookmakers were smart, they'd probably put this at a, a UC minus one or an even line just based off history alone. But I think based I, I was off- wondering what, what do you think that's going to be? Because Ken Palm has it right now, Xavier 75, UC 74. Ken Palm's usually almost right in line with whatever Vegas is doing, but Vegas sometimes will play in a little more the factor of like, you know, for instance, if you set this line, I think at um, UC minus one at, at a road game against Xavier, probably the entire betting public who knows nothing about either team is going to go, I'm going to get a bet Xavier because they're the home team, right? So, like, do you have to make Xavier a slight favorite here just from a betting perspective, do you think? Or do you think UC is going to be favored? I've been going back and forth on this. I really don't know what they're going to do. When you bring up Ken Palm, I mean, that that would make me think that minus one seems reasonable. Xavier minus one. Yeah, yeah, or just putting it at even or Cincinnati minus one. Maybe the line fluctuates a little. You think think we go pick them? Pick them for the shootout? That would be fun. I wouldn't mind to pick them. I love Um, the idea of a pick them for the shootout. Get those even odds for a clearly superior team right now. I think if, if you've watched Cincy, um, even against Howard, like Howard was shooting out of their minds and th- they were playing well in those road games at the beginning yeah. of the year and those those bad gyms with the bad broadcast and everything. Like sometimes it just I don't know that the twerking on the broadcast was the issue you see had on offense in that game, although I did appreciate it. I did enjoy watching that. Howard isn't the game I would probably use as an example of why UC has been good this year. I'll say that. But aside from that game, I do think they've been they've been really impressive. Yeah, they were missing shots. They didn't defend well in that game. But Howard hit tough shots. And at the end of the day, good teams win games. Um, It's as simple as that. Uh, There are plenty of UC teams that would have lost that game. Um, came back down the stretch, got it done. Whenever they went up five, six, Howard would make the run back and they just kept fending them off. And that's what, that's what good teams do. Um, so I, I think since going into it is the superior team, I think they have more talent. I think they have more talent that's played together, a little more continuity. Um, Lockins, this is what his third year in basketball his fourth year in the program. Um, Frederick's got, you know, 
five years of playing basketball. Granted, Xavier has those graduate transfers too, so it's not that much different there. But I do think in terms of, you know, Newman um, playing a year with some of these guys and Skilling's now playing a year, they have a little more um, continuity and veteran leadership to where I'd say since he probably should be, you know, I think 70%, 65% of the bets, if it was a pick them, yeah, like should if this be game is a neutral, in. If this is a neutral site game, I think Cincinnati is a, should be a two and a half, three point favorite. I would yeah, say. Yeah. Based on, but it's, it's, it's also, it's tough to gauge because Xavier's played one of the best schedules in the country. UC's played no one. That's got to be advantage Xavier, right? They've already been in some tough spots. They had to deal with Houston size. They've taken the notes. You play better teams, you get better. It's as simple as that. Like Cincinnati's, um, they're running around with Florida Gulf Coast. Eastern Washington, Detroit, Mercy, Illinois, Chicago. They're looking impressive in the process. And it's, it's a no contest with all these teams from the opening tip, but um, it's just, it's gotta be tough creating the spread because you have no idea. I could see Cincy running away with it, winning by 13. I could see them not being ready for this game physically Xavier getting all they can, you know, all they can, um, anything they want essentially against the two UC bigs that, um, you know, haven't really shown that they can, that they can do it against big time teams. Cause Bandago's never really had the opportunity. All right. So assuming all of this is true, this is UC's best chance they've had in a few years. Wes Miller, I think you'll agree needs to win a big game. I mean, you go back yeah. to the Illinois game that first year, that was a game he probably wasn't supposed to win that he won. But since then, not a lot of games that, you can look to and go, that was a, a big win. And maybe this isn't one he's not supposed to win, but it's it's a big win in the rivalry game, obviously. It would go a long way towards how the fans feel about where this thing is headed. What does this game mean for Wes Miller, in your opinion? I mean, this this is a big one, right? Yeah, it's massive. If they come out and lay an egg and can't hit a shot and some of these guys look timid that were so smooth to start the year and there's more of that, passing it around the perimeter that we've seen in years past in the Bearcats and step back three pointers. Um, you know, because I've seen some of those shots from Newman already this year. Uh, maybe when the competition gets stiffer, they don't have as, as much of ease getting into the lane and, and finding Bandago. And that's what, what terrifies me is that everything we've seen right now is just a byproduct of who you see has played. And you know, they're, they're still better than last year. I think they're still a good team. How good? We have no idea. And that's why it's so big for Wes Miller because the the vibe of the season completely changes if you go out, lay an egg, lose by 15 to a Xavier team that's 4-4 four and four and uh, has already lost how many games at Centos Center. It's not like an unwinnable place like it's been in years past. It would make it five losses in a row. It would make Wes Miller, who, who said in his opening press conference, we're going to kick their butts. We're going to go into Xavier and we're going to kick their behinds. And I think that's the exact quote that he said. He did yeah. not use any profanities. That's yeah, he said, we're gonna, he said, we're yeah. going to whoop their butts. Um, if if he goes 0-3 and, and loses this one, I mean, it makes next year like, all right, you got to win that one. Or we're not even talking about a rivalry anymore. You know, at this point, they're just they're laughing at us over at Dana's garden. Like, come on now. <laughs> he, he's got to win this one for that reason alone. And um, get that marquee, even though it's really not a marquee non-conference win, it'll probably be quad two when it's all said and done just by winning a game on the road. Um, and Xavier's going to sneak some ones out in the, 
the Big East. You know, they're not going to be a sub 500 team. They've had a just a brutal schedule, but um, he's got to get it. He, he's got to get it for the vibe of all Cats fans. We've been waiting forever. The last time they won a shootout at Centos, it was, you know, I, I think AIM was definitely a thing. Facebook wasn't around. It was, you know, BRB. I, I was in third grade, man. I was yeah. in third grade. Look at me. I'm a grown man. What was your man. AIM screen name? I'm a gr- grown man. It was, um, my AIM screen name was uh, CW Bala 93. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we got the, the B-A-L-L-A. It was, it was around like Chingy had all his, you yeah. know, big Bala and like that, that, that was a big brand back then. So I had oh. to throw the, uh, the Bala in the screen name. Yeah. I'm, sure. I'm familiar. I, I think mine was Boo, like Booyah 34. So, okay. There, okay. there you go. A little Stuart Scott shout out RIP. Uh, <laughs> Chuck, listen, uh, really enjoy the podcast. It's Chatterbox Bearcats. If you want to go check it out, I assume you guys will have something up here ahead of the shootout as well. People can go check out. Yeah, we're going to do a, a little preview show depending on when you're listening to this. It may already be out. So uh, check that out. We have fun with it. Um, we, we let it rip. I didn't know if, if we were allowed to let it rip on this podcast or, you know, whatever, but we, we say whatever we feel like on it. I don't have, uh, any of the big wigs signing the paychecks anymore. So chatterbox, you know, they give you the autonomy, which I really like to just kind of go out there and, you know, talk like you're in a bar with your buddies. So we have fun with it. Um, really cut it up. Uh, love the cats. It's as simple as that. And, uh, really gives me something to look forward to when the final buzzer sounds. Although you know, it may not be as fun when they start losing games because it's coming at some point. You're not, you know, going 29 and one in today's college basketball. So we're going to have some losing ones soon. But um, as long as they can get one against Xavier, I mean, that's that's a, a season made right there. I you got to win this one. All right. Well, that is why I enjoy the show. I like, uh, you know, the a little I don't need the radio magic. I don't need the broadcaster voices and all the fake stuff. I like you guys uh, giving your actual opinions and it's a good listen. So check it out. Chatterbox Bearcats. Chuck, I kept you way longer than I said I was going to. I, I do apologize for that, but thank you. It was really good stuff. All good, man. Go Bearcats.